Every company has breakdowns in their revenue process. Sure thing deals slip into next quarter, competitors creep in and swipe deals away at the last minute, and deals getting single threaded that don't get to power. These are just a few examples of revenue leak, but there are a ton more, and they're preventing your team from reaching their sales targets. That's why I'm such a big fan of Clary's revenue platform. It's the only tool that actually helps leaders take control of their revenue and thrive through any market conditions, especially when things get tough. You can't afford to miss a single detail, but you also can't be leading by gut. Clary combines the science and the art of sales and sales leadership. So go to Clary.com if you want to answer the most important question in your business. Are you going to meet, beat, or miss on revenue? Welcome to the Live Better, Sell Better podcast with your host, Kevin Dorsey of Inside Sales Excellence, the number one Patreon group and YouTube channel for tech sellers and tech sales leaders, where we dive in deep for tactical advice on how to book more meetings, close more deals faster, and lead sales teams to success. But we don't stop there. We also focus on the person in salesperson. We talk about mindset, goals, time management, and so much more. So thank you for listening. And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash inside sales excellence. Now with that, grab a notepad, get ready, and let's What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, a.k.a. KD. And today we're talking culture. Might even talk a little bit of soul, to be honest, because I feel like the culture and the soul of sales has really lost its way over the past decade or so. And with me today, I have Marcus Knight, who quite possibly might be the only person I know that has more side hustles than I do. But I don't even know if that's a fair way to say it, because I don't think these are side hustles. These are full-on hustles. He is the founder of Cultured Perspective, a phenomenal up-and-coming revenue advising company, the chief growth officer at Black With No Chaser, an advisor to startups, founding member of Sales for the Culture, and just for the heck of it, started a kid's clothing line. I got tired just walking through all of this, right? And he is beyond passionate about bringing more culture into the sales world and amplifying Black voices. But what a lot of people I don't think know or remember is he's one hell of a sales leader too. He's led mid-market enterprise teams at companies like Groupon, Talitbin, Textio. And one of the overarching themes of I think his success has been his ability to develop, define, and implement phenomenal culture. So that's why we're talking about culture and soul today. Marcus, welcome to the show. Why, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on here. Dude, so we're we're gonna get right right into this, man. I think this first question might just be even selfish for me, which is, <laughs> how do you do it all, man? Like I thought I had a lot on my plate, but everything that you're doing, I guess, how do you manage all of it? But the second question is, why? Why are you involved in so many things? Mm. Well, first, um, how do I do it all? I'd say that. I am, and it's a question I ask myself daily, but now that I've kind of gotten through a little bit more of, uh, of all the things that I'm juggling, I have a lot of, um, a great team around me and a lot of automation to help out with, with things. 
So, so that's how I'm doing it currently. Um, why I'm doing the things that I do is because I'm just passionate about people and change. And it's something that, I, that I've been passionate about a majority of my life. And, uh, you know, if I want to see change for the better, then I have to lead in these areas and show people and organizations what it looks like. And I should like, we're already going to go down a different tangent that I originally mapped out here because of the word that she used, which is change. And I think one of the hardest parts of leadership is helping or guiding people to change, right? Human beings were a very interesting species. Like we crave novelty, but we hate change. We don't actually change that well. So let's start going down the change path a little bit. How do you think you can help people change? Because everyone talks about it, right? Like, oh, let's yap about it. But how? What are things that can be done to actually help people change? And this could be changing perspectives, changing behaviors, changing results. What are ways you've seen work for you to help drive change through your people or through your projects? Yeah, the first thing is just listening to individuals and what they're saying. Like, like I think that any with any change, you have to be able to listen first and understand where people are coming from. And even though it may be foreign to you, just having that empathetic approach will take you so far. So, um, so I start with listening, and then from there, uh, just acknowledging that I heard what was being said, and then start to come up with ways in which I um, change can be invoked, and then also just coming back to that individual for their guidance and input. Because again, I don't have the answers. I don't have all the answers, but collectively we can make, if we want to see the change, we can make it together. So I, I put something together and present it like, hey, is this what you had, what you intended? Is this what you're talking about? And, and we can iterate and workshop around it until we get to a place where we all feel comfortable and then start to implement. Mm -hmm. And so I let you use the word like invoke change. So let's, let's get mm -hmm. tactical here, right? So you've established, mm -hmm. you know, what they're trying to achieve. You've established why they're trying to achieve it. What are some ways that you've found to work to help them drive that change, right? Because that's actually where I think a lot of leaders in general, but especially sales leaders, they're really good about the what and the why. Yeah. They're not so good at the how, right? They're like, all right, everybody, here's what we need to do. Da -da 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 -da. Mm -hmm. All right, and here's why. And everyone gets fired up. And then they say, go do like, it. And they're like, he's like, how? So what yeah. are some ways you've found to actually help drive that change once the what and the why has been established? I really do look at resources and and um and whether that's you know external resources that we just that you know trying to figure out who and what organizations can help out in this scenario in this in this case and then reaching out to see what it looks like in the short term versus long term so you know obviously certain organizations certain resources that are out there you know either have dollar amounts that are associated with them and you know that can be kind of um, restrictive in regards to like what we're able to implement right off the bat. But if I can at least say, hey, this is what we're set out to do. The what and the why is there. Um, we just need work with like how to actually get there. What can you do in the short term versus long term? And let's see if we can incrementally start to make those changes. And then once we see that uh, uh, incremental success, what we deem as incremental success, then I can take that back to the organization to say, all right, now it's time to actually uh, um, put more behind this. Um, so for instance, uh, you know, one of the things that I've, that I've really been passionate about is more Black people in, in sales and sales leadership. 
And, you know, one of the things that I've been able to do when I was, you know, at Textio and other organizations was start with the resources that I had at my disposal. Black with No Chaser, a multimedia company that reaches about 15 million viewers per, uh, per month. I, I just reached out to, to the organization and said, hey, can we put something out there to see who is, is Black and in software sales or eager to get into software sales and, and get some, some kind of traction that way? Tons of people came through the door, um, some with experience, some without. If they didn't, then there were certain uh, um, organizations that we partnered with to help out. If they had that experience, then we could maybe work with them if, if it was for something that I actually needed. The other piece was creating the sales for the culture with, with uh, you and everyone else. It's like now there is this um, ecosystem of amazing revenue folks there. And so if I just put something in our community then there are several people that will reach out and kind of band around me to, to help out. So those are just a few um, areas in which we've been able to invoke some change. And I like it. And it's actually, I think, one of the reasons why I believe we've connected well and we've had many a conversation outside of you know this here is you're an individual to me that actually takes action, right? It's not just talking about it. It's not just ranting about it. It's not just going through the motions. It's like you have that idea and to drive change, you do something about it. Mm -hmm. You're reaching out to these different things. You start your own thing. You're like, I'm actually going to drive this change. I think it's so important that, you know, in a lot of these topics, whether it's sales, leadership, you know, diversity, you can talk about it all day long. Eventually, you actually got to do something about it. And that's something yeah. that I've always really respected about how you approach these things and why you also have five things that you're involved in to drive this type of change, right? And so then let's go to the, the next level of this, right? When we talk about anything, sales, a business, a group, a company, culture, it's talked about all the time, right? Like, oh, like culture, culture eats strategy for breakfast and whatever cliches they say out here. But again, not a lot of people are good at establishing culture. So if you look at a culture of your companies, your sales orgs, what types of cultures do you like to build? Like, how would you describe your ideal culture for one of your teams or for your company? Underutilized talent is, is what I start with. So I, I'm looking for individuals that typically haven't been given the chance to, in, in these scenarios to be able to be successful. Um, that's, you know, Black, LGBTQ, Latinx, et cetera. Like, I, that's where I start. And, and I'm gonna jump in I, real. I'm gonna jump in real quick because I think this is important. Why? Why is that where you start? Because they're different points of view, and we always and, and with sales, you know, we're trying to sell a service, a product to uh, companies, organizations. How can we do that with when we have a one-track mind or a homogenous mind? Therefore, I'm looking to build. Uh, from experiences and people around that have diversity, uh, um, diverse experience that I don't necessarily have, or that, you know, that other people in my organization don't necessarily have. Now we're thinking about uh, problem solving from a different angle. Mm -hmm. And so and with that, we're going to go one layer deeper here, I think still on this, right? Because I don't think people grasp it, especially when it comes to diversity of like, again, it's the, that's uh, a hot topic. It's a new hot topic, even though it's been a hot topic for God knows how long, right? But actually understanding why that's important. Why does it matter to have multiple points of view, right? There's a lot of companies out there right now that might hear that and go, oh, it, what we're doing is working. Mm -hmm. 
what we're doing is working. We're getting the results mm-hmm. that we want. We're growing the way that we need to grow. We got the IPO in the future. Mm-hmm. Do you have any insights into why diversity actually makes things better? Right? Why does it? Why is that so important? So I'll I'll look at it from a business lens, and and really that's what this is all from, right? Like so, from a revenue standpoint, if we're if things are seem to be going well, we're making a lot of revenue. The uh, the there is so much more potential when you have diversity in the mix. And firsthand at Textio, when we had such a diverse sales team, our growth in revenue grew exponentially. I'm talking about like millions just because we had that different point of view and different um and, and really just the diversity of thought that went with that. And so, you know, I I saw my own blind spots in the way that I was selling or or trying to get the team to sell. But when I had different demographics of individuals come in and say, hey, you actually missed a whole opportunity here. We saw our growth just skyrocket. Love it. Love it. Okay. I just, I had to go down that hole real quick. I love back. It. So you said, so I said, all right, we're establishing the culture. You said, first, I start with, you know, the, the unique underutilized, maybe undersourced talent pool. Then what? Then what do you look for in your t- culture? So I, I'm looking for um, emotional intelligence, um, highly analytical as well, um, depending on what the product or service that I'm selling um, and people that are, that are, um, empathetic to change. Like we're in a startup environment and, and most of the time. And so therefore, you know, you are changing, you know, you are pivoting, you are changing a lot of the time just to make sure that you're landing in the right spot. And so people have to be creative in that aspect, but also empathetic to the point that like, okay, we're, we, we started down this path. Now we have to switch and go a different direction because it didn't work out quite the way that we wanted it to. And so then one of my favorite questions, and my managers know this, it drives them nuts, but they also know why I do it. Great, Marcus, how? Mm-hmm. You've defined this culture. Mm-hmm. How do you actually build it? Because a lot of companies, right? They got the, they got the mission and vision on the yeah. wall, right? They've got the core values printed. You get your little card of the core values and nine months later, no one can say it. How do you actually create these cultures, because cultures are created, not defined. I think that's where a lot yes. of people get it wrong. So, okay, you've defined it. How now? How do you then create that culture on your team or at your company? First, I start with myself with vulnerability. Like, I don't have all the answers, number one. And, I'm, and I'll be the first to say that in a meeting and say, so we are in this together in the standpoint that we are going to build this together. And therefore, if people want to step up in, in certain areas to help, um, to help with that change and, and the culture of, of the organization, they can actually lead in that in those areas with oversight by, of, of myself and several others. But I want to make sure that I'm getting those different points of view. And so they're creating with myself what the culture could look like. We're mapping that out and then we're going out and actually trying to execute on that. And then when we're in that, you know, interview process, when we, when we're in the, um, you know, the hiring phase, all of those things, we are constantly collaborating to make sure that we are on one accord with the type of culture that we are looking to, to have. Ooh. Okay. So you just see, you hit, you hit one here that I I really, really want your perspective on. Right. So Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, especially coming from under um, underutilized talent pools, the phrase "culture fit" will get Ooh. used. 
right? So you you just you just you took us here. You took us here, right? Because you defined it, right? Like, here's our culture, and a lot of companies do. They define that culture, and then all of a sudden, maybe someone like me, we liked him, but he, you know, he wasn't really a culture fit. So how do you make sure that your culture isn't excluding? Mm-hmm. people or how can you bring pe- you get what i'm saying here because like that's 100%. what people people will hear and go you know what you're right we defined our culture and yeah they just mm-hmm. didn't fit our mm-hmm. culture cynthia barnes said something i'd never heard this um phrase before it had me cracking up i had to mute myself she said for the past 50 years sales has been male stale and pale <laughs> and that is the culture Right. Yeah. So how how can a company make sure that their culture isn't actually what's leading to the exclusion mm-hmm. of people that could be adding to it? So when I when I talk about culture, I talk about it from a lens that we are we're we're developing it. So even when in the interview process with individuals, I let them know that like we are developing the culture, and you would be you would be helping in that development. Uh, and, and so that's number one. If if we come back to from an interview and someone on my team says that they weren't a culture fit, then the first thing that we do is we break that down and we say that is not a term that we use because I don't want someone to fit into our culture. I want them to enhance our culture. Yes. yes. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. I'm just fired up. So they have to enhance the culture. And if, and if you can't um, defend why you use the word culture fit, then then in the interview process and you are on my hiring team, then like then that vote does not count. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we I, move on to, to the rest of the of, of the people that can actually have something more intentional to say, because culture fit is a blanketed word to just say that, that, you know, they are, you know, like it's code for a lot of things and we know that. And so therefore mm-hmm. I, I try to stay away from those terms. Dude, I, I love it. I like, yeah, so we got more questions. I almost wanted to end there and be like, yo, like, did y'all hear this? Culture fit cannot be a reason not to hire someone because it means you either don't know what you're saying you're not enhancing, right? Or it's covering up for something else, right? That's where, you know, racial gets covered up, age gets covered up, um, sexual orientation gets covered up, gender gets covered up. There's not a culture fit. So like, I love that you asked that question of like, well, first of all, we're enhancing our culture. There is no fit, right? Because that also, I think to your earlier point, makes it sound like that culture is, um, that it's not um, amorphous, like it changes, Yes. Over yes. time. Like you don't have like the, the culture today is different than the culture, you know, tomorrow. So then mm-hmm. so then let's flip this for a second, right? So we talked about potentially how to build it. Yeah. How do you change it? Back to the first words that you used in this conversation, right? I've had to walk into orgs where it didn't have the culture that I wanted it to have. Right. And you have built things from scratch. You have joined organizations, right? You've helped build these things. How do you change a culture that isn't yeah. where it needs to be? And and that I will say is more of a heavy lift. And, and I've been able to do that. But um, the thing that you have to do is getting the executive team on board and the board, board members on board. Uh, so I, if I can walk into an organization and uh, and I'm the only, for instance, the first thing, like in the interview process, I'm calling it out. And then right. if, if they decide to go through with the hiring process for whatever reason, then that's like, that's one of my top priorities is to say like, hey, if we have to be on the same page that we want to see 
real diverse talent come through these doors. And if we're not, then then let's just have that conversation now and see what what the next step should be. Most of the times, if you are dealing with um, uh, uh, individuals that that do want to see change, then it they're like, yes, like how do we get started? What do we do? So then those tactics that we talked about earlier come into place. But then I also challenge the executive team and the board team to move forward in that direction. So it's like, okay, executives, it's not okay that, you know, me and, and the sales team are, are just going to do this. Like we need to look at it in products. We need to look at it in engineering. We need to look at it in marketing. And if you need resources, I can pull from some of the areas that I know to get you started. Mm-hmm. So let's keep going there. Let's talk about some of these resources because it is. And I, I, I know you went through this, probably still going through it. I'm still going through it. KD, what do we do? What do we do? We we want a more diverse team. Right? We we want we need more. What do we do, KD? What do we do, Marcus? Uh, I, you know, it got to a certain point where I stopped taking some of those calls because it was yeah. so much and so over overwhelming. And I actually think you were one of the ones that built like this phenomenal like resource um, like document, right? That had all sorts of stuff. On. I'm actually just remembering this is out there right now. Like, what are some of those resources? Because there's a lot of people that are listening that will go, yeah, like we we want to improve here. They, at least they say they want, to, whether they yeah. really do or not is different. Mm-hmm. What are some of those resources? Right? What are some of the tactical things they can do, look for to try to improve that overall culture of the team? Well, before we get into resources, the first thing that I that you have to think about when you're talking to these organizations is their willingness to actually make the change. Because if, if you give the resources and they don't do anything with that, then then nothing's going to change, right? So so it's like, if, even if I get on a call with an organization, they say, yes, we want to do all these things. Are you committed to interviewing 10 folks of these different backgrounds? Are you committed to making a hire if they, if they you know, fit that skill set that you're looking for? And so really um, uh, getting, taking a hard stance that like, it's, it's okay that the resources are out there. There are a ton of resources out there, but you have to be committed to actually making the change. And so if they're not committed, then I won't give up the resources. Um, but if they are committed, then the resor- there's a ton of resources out there. I mean, for one, there's what, 103 or 107 historically backed college and universities in this country. I mean, great place to start. And then with all the alumni that come from those organiz- from those schools, there you go. I mean, Lesbians in Tech is another great organization. Women in Sales, Sisters in Sales. Um, I mean, there are so many organizations out there that, that you know, I can definitely send over a list of all those resources. I'm just speaking more so on like the sales side, but I have resources for all, all parts of the business. And it's so important. I hope this is also what people are catching from this. I think we said it about a quarter of the way through this conversation is you actually have to do something. Mm-hmm. Talking about it in the boardroom, talking about it in the leadership room, like talking about it on podcasts, like you got to go do it, mm-hmm. right? Reach out to these groups, reach out to these colleges, reach out to individuals, send that message, send that note. Like it's a proactive thing that I think a lot of people are just still not ready or willing to admit that they have to be proactive. You can't just say that we value diversity and expect the talent pool to flood your website. Like, oh, they they put up a badge. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah, yeah. Not gonna, you you got to go do something with it. So, um, man, it's just, it's so important. I do think that'd be great if we could include a resource 
list for people or at least narrowed down for people to do it. Mm -hmm. um, let's just go one more deeper level here too. Of like, so you mentioned like the historically black colleges, right? What could people do, right? What should they do to be able to leverage that as a resource? Because so much of what we're actually talking about has not been done. And so people will hear that and go, okay, but then what? Like, well, now what do I do? Like, all right, I got the list. I got the list, Marcus. I did it. <laughs> now what? So there are, so one, you know, most if not all of these um, colleges and universities have career development um, advisors there that they're that they are looking to get more of their students and and graduates into uh, uh, certain companies and organizations. I mean that's really that's what they're there for. Um, you know I, I mentioned Black with No Chaser because they have access to all of the HBCUs and those connections. So that is one way to reach out there. Sales for the culture is another. But ultimately you have like once once you show these these universities that you are committed to not only hiring but the progression of their career then it becomes very easy you get a few of those or um universities on board and then the rest will seriously just follow because they're like okay there's a lot of talk around this right now but we don't see a whole lot of action and so once they see that there is action behind it and the hiring and the progression of, of people, then then you'll see a lot more um, organizations or universities that will actually flock to you. Love it. I love it, man. We could riff on that all all day and like we'll have the opportunity to do so. But I want to bring this now back to to Marcus, the person, Marcus, the, the man, Marcus, the leader. here, Right. So with all the things that you handle. How do you prioritize what to work on, right? Because you do, you are a part of multiple organizations. You are a part of multiple groups. I'm sure you're getting hit up left and right from all sorts of different places. How do you prioritize where to spend your energy? Well, the first is what is the short-term need? Uh, number one. So I look at the short-term need and I look at all the different organizations that I'm a part of. And I have my, my wall is actually like a whiteboard wall. So I just write yes. all over it. Yes. <laughs> but but I, I look at, look at what the, what the short-term need is. And then it depends on how I, I try to estimate how long it's going to take for me to do the actual work. If it's going to take me too long, then I reach out for assistance, right? Like, so, so therefore, like if I, uh, if, if I think that something's going to take way too long for me to do and in the time, timely fashion that's needed, then I'll say, okay, let me get a few other people that can actually, that can lead this. And then I'll just oversee it to make sure that it looks, uh, that it has all the components that is needed. So that is number one, when it comes to short term, when it comes to long term, uh, it's, it's really about just getting more people into the mix. I'm one of these type of people that historically I like to do everything myself. And it, this is a growth area for me. So, yep. So, yep. so now I'm asking for a lot more help in, in certain areas in order for people to, to be able to take this on. Because again, me working with all these companies and only doing a, a you know, a subpar job or an average job, then, then it's really, none of these businesses will actually succeed. But if I have someone that is eager, that is wanting, the, that is wanting to help out and has the bandwidth to help out, let them. And then therefore I can just oversee it and help tweak some of the things that they're doing, but ultimately we'll go so much further and be more successful in that, right? I, I love that. Cause that's something where one, 
time. I'm right there with you. It's like, how long will this take? I talk about this with my reps and my managers too. It's like, if it's, if it's going to take under 10 minutes, just do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. Just, just, just mm-hmm. do it. Like we'll spend more time thinking about writing that email. Yes. Then it'll actually take to do it or having that conversation, the time. But another question I do like to ask myself, and it sounds like you do something similar is like, am I the best for this? <laughs> I may not be the best person to actually be doing this right now, regardless if I want to or not, there might be someone better to do it. I love to just check in real quick. It's like, am I the best person to do this? Mm-hmm. Mm, maybe not. Right. And that's why I like to use the word best. Cause I used to ask the question, can I, mm, Yeah. can I do this? Yeah, I can. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Am I, am I the best person? And that's, that's what will check me a little bit. It's like, am I the best person to do that? Probably not, man. So hand this off to somebody, right? And so then, you know, I guess with with all the different things that you're involved in, I guess, was there a trigger event for you to kind of like branch out on your own and say, okay, like I'm going to do my own thing? Is it something that it just kind of evolved into? Like, I guess how how because you also don't see a lot of people, a lot of people do you were coming up in the game like you were team lead managers enterprise mm-hmm. director of sales running big teams and then it was like a hard pivot to yeah. the things that you're doing now was there a trigger event was it just something like you were like in a position to do so like what caused the the move and now again you're on an upward trajectory it's just different like what mm-hmm. caused the shift there. Yeah, I'd say that it's been, you know, I've always had that entrepreneur mindset. I mean, I've I've had I've started um, organizations, you know, 10 years ago and so and 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 so I've always that's always been in me and that's also one of the reasons why I'm in the startup space is because I love that I I actually that risk to reward ratio is just something that I just thrive on. I love that. So, um but really what triggered me was the murders of black bodies last year. Like it it, it was something that I I was really trying to figure out how, like, how to be there for my community, how, like, uh, still grieving about a lot of the things. My reps were grieving about a lot, a lot of the, the the circumstances, and I couldn't go into the office worrying about KPIs. Like, it just wasn't a thing for me mm-hmm. anymore. And so, so I, I, re- and luckily, I had been laying the groundwork for a lot of these things prior. But you know, that that was one pivotal moment. The other was just the pandemic in general. So watching a lot of my friends uh, um, lose their 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 jobs and not being able to really support their families, I, I was like, I have a skill set. I can start up a company and I can help it scale. So you all run these organizations if you want, and I'm helping put food back on your table and for helping you to have this full time employment that is much more freedom to be as creative as you'd like. Um, so that those were two pivotal moments for me. The other thing was that as a sales leader. Um, I am always thinking about um, when am I going to be able to step aside to let someone up and coming take over my spot. Like if like if I'm if I'm not thinking along those lines, I don't think that I'm being a, a great leader. Um, so therefore, like I'm I'm having these uh, conversations with my reps and my managers, et cetera. And at some point, I need to get out of the way. Like I need to let them shine. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So so those were the things that that really happened. And then 
and then really, you know, speaking with the team at Textio, um, you know, we had a lot of discussion going back and forth on when that time was was going to happen and when I was going to make that exit. They were really supportive about all of it. I mean, to this day, we still they're still very supportive about everything. Um, but it was like, hey, I'm passionate about my people. I'm passionate about change. I'm going to move in this direction and really hear some individuals who are on the path to be in, in management and leadership. And I think that we're, you're in a really, really good spot. And ultimately, I was tired of seeing like all the black squares on social media, but no real action. And so I'm like, let me go out and lead in this way. I, I love it. And I, I, I just I'm just so respectful of that, because it's something that not a lot of people are willing to, to do you know, really to, to, to take that leap and to take that jump. And, you know, the theme throughout all this is you do, you take action, you get after it, you see a problem and you go for it. Cause something I, one day I want to run my own company as well. I want to have the opportunity to see what that's like. Cause there's always things I've wanted to do differently. Mm-hmm. Right. Of like, you know, you've been in the game long enough. There's certain things that just always seem to be pervasive. And I've always wanted the opportunity. Like, all right, like if I were running a company, how would I do that? Right. Yeah. Is there anything that you're doing differently with your company that you think, you know, one, either should be done more across other companies outside of even what you already mentioned, like targeting specific talent pools. Mm-hmm. But is there anything like as you run like your company that you're like, I'm doing this differently and for a, a reason? Yeah, I, I, I touched on it uh, when it comes to individuals doing, uh, taking ownership of the, the task and the responsibilities as opposed to me. Um, last year, I mean, we just relaunched a culture perspective yesterday, right? So mm-hmm. last, last year having, um, I was the only operator in the business and a lot of my time was spent just spinning my wheels, doing all of the things and realizing that like, I don't have enough time in the day. I'm not able to get to every task. And so now being able to recruit some of the best minds in the game uh, and having them work on their skill set, one, it's also direct mentorship that I'm, that I'm able to do uh, with these individuals uh, so that they can become entrepreneurs and business owners. Uh, but two, it's like we're, we're all leveling up the business from that standpoint. Um, so those have, that's been the biggest shift that I've seen uh, in myself over the past you know, few months is because ultimately I'm the type of person that's like, okay, give me all the work and I'm just going to do it all. But now I, I can't, you know, I'm, that's not my, that, it's not my strong suit. <laughs> Are you the best one to do it? Yeah, right? that, that, that'll be the question. So let's talk into this. I'm right? stealing that. Dude, grab that, man, because I can, like you and I vibe on a lot of things. I can tell like that's, we, we lean into the could, right? Could I do it? Yeah. All right. I'll go do it versus I'm the best. No, probably not. Like anything that has to do with design, with mm-hmm. writing, spelling, sure as hell is not where I should be focusing at all. Like someone else can handle that. So Let's talk about it. I right? see so you just said you did a, a, a relaunch, right? What is the cultured perspective? What does it do? How does it help? Like, what's the target? Like, talk about this a little bit so we can start to put that word out there. Yeah. So, it is a revenue growth consultancy helping um, startup, startup founders and emerging um, revenue leaders um, with, you know, how to implement the change from you know sales enablement to the the go to market strategy to execution all of those things and i right now we have about 12 consultants uh so we're doing anything from from all those things i just mentioned also product marketing and branding as well and then soon we'll be adding web development to go along with that of course you would why wouldn't you why, well- <laughs> Right. You want to add in cooking too? just throw something right, else right. on there too. Right. Might as well. Like the lunches. So like what, 
I guess, what are some of the key areas that y'all help people with, right? Because like revenue go to market can be very broad. Like, is there like a, like a, a sweet spot or a specialty? It's like, this is, you know, revenue enablement. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. But like, like when you get into like, what are you really doing for these companies? And like, what's that sweet spot that you're like, yo, if, if this sounds like you, mm-hmm. you should probably talk to us because this is what we do. Yeah. So we've really been able to help organizations with their, um, with scaling their revenue efforts. And that's been through, yes, sales enablement. So SDR, AE playbooks are are there, but most importantly, just like coming up with the strategy by interviewing uh, the organization itself and their and the customers or potential customers in order to find out what's the best way. We put in plans that A-B test a few, few ideas of what we think and whichever one rides to the top, then we'll double down on. Um, not to say that we'll leave that other one, but we, we may come back to that at a different point. Um, so that is, those are some of the major things. And then because we are a collective of, of Black revenue leaders, um, then we are leading with equity as well, like how to make an equitable sales organization from the start so that, you know, it's not not this, okay, we've scaled to these unicorn status, uh, statuses. Now, how do we go backwards and do this? It's like, nope. Why don't we just lay the groundwork right from the get-go? Love it. I love it. Because it also, too, even back to what we are talking about at the very beginning, it already is going to improve the diversity of ideas that they're getting because they're already working with a diverse collective revenue group, right? Like they're already getting those different insights. And I love that you approach the customers because the amount of consultants that I know out there that literally never talk to customers, I'm like, how are you, how are you advising like, how are you helping this company in any way if you didn't even talk to any of their customers or their personas to try to figure those things out? So I think that's a really cool and unique thing that you all are are doing there. And so, and if I if I did, if I pinged, if I pinged people on your team right now and asked them to describe the culture, how would they describe the culture of cultured perspective? Mm-hmm. Eclectic. Um, a vibe, a whole vibe. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, and <laughs> and one that is intentional about getting the work done. Like I really like to hold people accountable to get the work done. And ultimately we are growing together. So, so, you know, like I mentioned, I don't have all the answers. Nikki may not have all the answers. Larry may not have all the answers, uh, but collectively we can get things done together and push each other to get to new heights. Those are some names right there, by the way. You got some people on that squad that you're going to get some shit done. So before we wrap on this, talk to me about this clothing line. Talk to me about this real quick. Okay? Like, like you you dropped that one on me like kind of out of nowhere a couple of weeks ago. I'm like, yeah, like this, 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 this. And oh yeah, like also a clothing line. Tell me about this real quick. I need a little bit more insight into the what and the why here. We don't have to get into the how of a clothing line, but what and why? What is it and why did you do it? So it's called Kid Culture, and uh, culture is spelled K-L-T-U-R-E, and basically that is the three kids that are on this clothing line, uh, Kenzo, Langston, Tegan. My son is Langston. He's a five-year-old kid. His birthday was just this past weekend, uh, but basically he has been this fashion-forward kid for since he was a baby, I, you know, I dress him, but I was getting a lot of people asking me to, to, uh, put together like clothing for their kids. And, and I did have a background back in fashion way back when, of course, <laughs> so, you did. Of course. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. So, so, uh, so I was like, you know, instead of 
instead of uh, just doing that, why don't we create a clothing brand, one that is inclusive and all gender, all genders, kids play wear, so that um, so that we are are showing individuals how to be creative and how to how to have entrepreneurship at a young age. I recruited um, Jonathan Meese, who was a sales manager um, with me at Textio, um, and then uh, who was a great fashion sense, and his kid is, is Tegan, and then also my best friend Courtney Doss, Courtney Quiza, uh, she's married, uh, Courtney Quiza, um, who is uh, a creative designer and trained uh, at out of London and has owned a several um, clothing lines before and really just said, hey, let's start to let's try to disrupt the kids clothing line because there's so many things that we want to see uh, that we can't find anywhere. So let's go ahead and make that a thing. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, when when it drops, when it's live, if you got a link to put out there, like I'll scoop yeah. some up for my kids because if you can't tell, I know nothing about fashion. <laughs> there's a reason why it's black hat, black hoodie all day long. I got no idea what I'm doing when it comes to fashion. My kids probably suffer because of it. So... <laughs> Cool, my man. Well, we've ri- we've made it almost to the end. Here's, I got two final questions for you here. Mm-hmm. So the first one, right, I call the, the big three, right? We've been talking culture and diversity and things of that nature for about 40 minutes now. If there were three things that you really wanted people to take away from this conversation, whether that's tactics, mindset, action, what would those three walking points be that you'd want people to grab from this? Um, first is, can you hear me still? Yep, you're good. Perfect. Okay. Um, uh, first is continue to learn from people that are different than you. Um, um, lean into empathy, um, and then be passionate about your craft. Number one, and passionate about uh, about the change that you want to see. So if if you talk about culture or diversity, then be very passionate and intentional around that. And then the third is just leap, like just take the leap. You know, we we're all gonna make. Uh, mistakes in in one way, one uh, way or shape or fashion, but you'll learn from those and you'll grow from those. I, I love it, man. I love it. So just take the leap. I love it. Like it's so important. Most people just don't. They they freeze. They sit. They do nothing. They talk about it and feel good about it, but take that leap. I love it. And the last question here, my man. The name of this podcast is "Live Better, Sell Better," mm-hmm. right? Like focusing on the person in sales, person. What would your live better advice be for people listening, right? Whether that's to get more fulfillment or joy or energy or really anything on the life side of things. What would that live better advice be for everyone listening? Make sure that you unplug weekly. Uh, and I and I really, really mean that as someone who <laughs> didn't do that in the past, I am making sure that I do now. Um, but really is taking intentional time weekly to unplug to make sure that you are recharging yourself to, in order to be there for your team, your organization. Uh, and so that like unplugging, but unplugging with the intent of like, I need to clear my head, but I also want to learn something different than, than just the business day to day. So that could be, you know, art, uh, something creative, you know, anything along those lines, but do something outside of what you do on a day to day for your job. I love it. And it's consistent with even what you said with your your three takeaways. Learn something different. Be open to learning from people different. So clearly that is a theme. So my man, Marcus, and by the way, I just pulled up kid culture, man. Like I'm gonna have to scoop some of this for for my youngsters because they got they got nothing like this in their their closet right now. So I'm gonna have to scoop scoop some of this up. But where where not that you're not a lot of places, but where can people get more of you? Where can they find you? Where can they reach out to get more of your insights or work with you and your team? 
So email is Marcus at Culture Perspective. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Please, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I also, you know, if you on Instagram and Facebook and all those things at Marcus Knights or Mr. Knight 83 or at Black with No Chaser. Um, all of those ways you can get in touch with me um, and I'll, and we'll be putting out a lot more content over the over the days and weeks. And, you know, I'll, I'll definitely make sure that, you know, I respond to anyone that does reach out to me. Uh, yeah, my man. Well, dude, I appreciate you. I respect you even more today than from when this conversation started. I got nothing but love for what you're doing, my man. Thank you so much for love. being with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. I would definitely appreciate it, my man. All right, man. Later. Peace.